0: care about the average of course but when you are in front of your patient the average is just a number you want to know if your patient is going to respond or not.
1: So last week epileptologist Angele Aledos Rano was talking to us all about his review of a former paper all about levotiracetam slash Kepro and how we need to be more precise when prescribing it. Think precision medicine. This week, Angel elaborates further, explaining to us the benefits of whole exome sequencing, which is a form of genetic testing, for people with an epilepsy, how the levetiracetam can actually have negative impacts on some people with an epilepsy, leading to polypharmacy, and the likelihood of improving treatment as a result of improved appointment quality between a neurologist and a person with epilepsy, slash their family.
0: I am an epileptologist and neurologist working in Madrid, uh, I am seeing both children and adults. I think that's kind of uh, not very frequent. Uh, I don't do the transition from children to adults. I am the transition.
1: Would you say it's, it would be ideal for most or all people diagnosed with an epilepsy to have whole exome sequencing to try and identify any type of mutation,
0: for instance? So that's, that's a really good question and it's something which is changing Uh, over time and for example some years ago we were saying no so MRI uh, the neuroimaging is only um, indicated for this kind of epilepsy and not for this kind of epilepsy and now we are doing MRI for everybody and I guess the same scenario is with uh, genetic testing so we are having really specific indications the indications are growing and are expanding, but still uh, we say that it's only indicated for people who are starting in the first years of life. So if you have a late onset epilepsy, uh, that would be not indicated on uh, genetic testing, because you, you have... A, a lower diagnostic yield
1: ah but then i don't know it's be sort of potentially an annoying patient i could say well just because i might be one of the people having a lower diagnostic yield it doesn't mean that i shouldn't have it
0: probably in some years we will do it for everybody even if you have only two percent of uh probabilities to have a diagnosis that's Uh, worth it because you will have uh, more information to decide your treatment. So, of course, but of course, in in general, the most important are uh, uh, good, long, long video EG. So, To, to better understand the, the epilepsy syndrome. It's a generalized one, it's a focal one, which kind of uh, discharges. You have uh, epileptiform activity, which is typical of a malformation of cortical development. So then you have to look uh, uh, carefully to the MRI and then decide not to put acid and maybe at first antiepileptic medication. So that's, that's very important. And what we are also understanding in the last few years is that sometimes uh, the genetic testing could help in the safety profile. And again, this is very important because sometimes we we end up in this uh, cascade prescription. I don't know if you use that in English, but it's like you put an anticesome medication, for, for example, levetiracetam. you produce... Uh, a mood disorder and then you, you um, secondarily you produce another uh, prescription of uh, antidepressant so then the antidepressant put uh, uh, less libido or uh, sexual problems and then you are using uh, viagra and then you are <laughs> so it's uh...
1: yeah and so it brings on basically polypharmacy a multiple brings on a greater diagnosis of conditions And then more drugs, and you get stuck in this loop, right?
0: Yeah, and this is well studied that you are doing that if you have shorter consultations. So, of course, for a neurologist, if you have only five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes of consultation, it's really difficult to go a step back, take perspective, and... Put uh, discontinue this medication. Go down with this medication. Explain a new medication um, and, and make it in in detail. So if you have less time, you put more medications in general. It's better. It's, it's, it's easier. So this is something I I am saying always in my talks to try to to change uh, and de-prescribe. So. Stop more medications.
1: By reducing the number of medications, you're going to reduce the side effects likely that the person experiences. Um, Sometimes the negative side of the medications can outweigh the positive impact of a medication. Um, I've spoken to um, clinicians who've told me that sometimes they'll have a patient with with an epilepsy, he'll say, do you know what, I would rather have an extra few seizures a month um, by um, through taking a lower dosage of this drug, so that I can go to work and I have can improve cognitive function, and it's all about that balance, isn't it? And I guess a clinician learns that through getting to know their patient better through longer appointment times.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and sometimes just patients have lost their their expectations to be better, and they are they are uh, understanding or they are taking for granted that it's normal to be with a mental fog uh, to be uh, because sometimes you don't know how are you after a long time uh, of uh, being depressed or being with uh, less cognitive skills you, you end up thinking that this is yourself this is you uh, you don't know how, how intelligent you are. Uh, without the medication so
1: true (laughs) it's like you're singing (laughs) about my life (laughs) and the life of so many people that's exactly it and then if somebody has felt like you say felt this way for a long time been on these drugs for a long time you can you can be scared to reduce those drugs or take those drugs especially if they have had some usefulness in reducing the frequency or severity of your seizures and yeah, it's like you're juggling all the time. And I think that that's where we really need people like yourself, Akel, who appreciate the, that juggle and how to prioritise, really, quality of life.
0: And we need more data on that as well, because uh, some, something which we are also trying to show in, in our paper is that we still have uh, grey... Scenarios, uh, so uh, situations where we don't know what to do and we don't have information, informa- uh, enough information. So uh, in the end, we are just using your experience, which is of course that's really important, but uh, it's not uh, evidence-based. And this is also maybe because uh, in the last few years, this is uh, maybe it's changing, but. In the past, we were not really interested in, interested in this kind of specific profile of the drug. So when we study uh, a new drug, uh, we are just seeing the average of uh, the effectiveness or the, the average of the safety profile, but we are not studying which kind of patient is uh, improving and which kind of patient is not improving. So maybe we should change uh, our mindset on that i care about the about about the average of course but when you are in front of your patient the average is just a number you want to know if your patient is going to respond or not your, your patient is going to have the uh, adverse event or not and also your patient uh, care about that so yeah this is something we have to change in the research uh, in the research area.
1: And so if we have anybody listening right now um, who would is interested in um, getting involved in research along these lines, um, would it be useful to get in touch with you, Hánkel, or what do you think?
0: So at the time, we are not uh, doing any... Exp- any study on this, but it would be really nice to to have the data. Of course, they, they can reach me out. We are not studying this specific uh, about uh, uh, levetiracetam, but we are doing all uh, other kind of uh, studies. For example, trying to see if uh, a specific gene is responding to specific medications or. Uh, other other studies are, for example, in, in using qualitative methodologies. Qualitative methodologies, I think, they are very important because they are not statistics; they are interviews. So, uh, deep conversations.
1: That's extremely important in the epilepsies because everybody's um, lives and bodies and brains are so incredibly different, and in how they experience. Um, the epilepsy and comorbidities which are really not comorbidities they're part of the epilepsy um, it's all different for everybody so yeah that's why i appreciate what you're saying regarding qualitative research
0: and it's it's crazy because we we have been like i don't know 10 years the the last 10 years saying that epilepsy is more than scissors but still uh I, I don't feel the the difference in. in of course, we are improving in, in a lot of areas, but it's crazy that after so many years saying the same uh, is just makeup. It's just uh, it's, it's not uh, something which is truly changing. I don't know. Sometimes. You just change by repetition and repetition. So maybe we should just repeat the same.
1: <laughs> Keep saying this in every conference and people with epilepsy or mums and dads or carers listening, the epilepsy is more than seizures. I think appointments bring that up. So if the epilepsy includes this behavioral difficulty of somebody or their cognitive function or the physical issues that come alongside Seizures.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know, now we are talking about a lot about how to change uh, human behavior and clinician behavior. And uh, what we are learning, and this is coming from the climate anxiety. So I'm working a lot in the uh, climate change area and how that's impacting people with epilepsy and uh, clinicians mm-hmm. uh, caring for people with epilepsy because we want people to change their behaviors. But uh, saying, telling them "Mm, climate change is going to be terrible, uh, that's not changing anything. That's only frightening. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, causing uh, climate anxiety. And at the same time, if we say uh, epilepsy is more than seizures, uh, but we only say that, Uh, you just cause anxiety maybe in the clinician because sometimes they they don't have the tools to help the patients um, beyond the antithesis medications. They don't have the time to have these deep conversations. Uh, So maybe it's more powerful to talk about the good examples. So the positive ways on how people, patients and also doctors, are addressing this issue. So for example, uh, fighting with a hospital, trying to make uh, longer consultations to talk about all the, all the things, or having other specialists uh, around you to talk about the other things, or having emails, or uh, having pre consultations, you you were talking about that, no, how to prepare the consultation yes and make it more effective so maybe we should talk about that so not how bad we are doing that (laughs) but uh, how good we can do it
1: (laughs) yeah preparation and we want to look at quality of time um, with patients clinicians rather than quantity of time sometimes we're limited with the amount of time we have together so let's make it of higher quality for both parties. I think that's great. Thank you so much for joining us, Ángel. Very kind of you to donate your time to us and no doubt we will speak soon. Thank you very
0: much. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, Tori, for what you are doing in general and for having me.